What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Birds and the Beers. This is episode three, coming at you on April 7th, about 8 p.m. here. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are a flaming dumpster fire, and this is one of the best things that I've gotten to say on this podcast. Uh, lots and lots of bullpen problems. Fourth in the division, uh, getting beat up on this weekend by the Brewers, the Rangers last weekend, and the Braves in between. Uh, they're really going to have to figure out a way to get people out and get more guys on base. Uh, Joe Madden is on the hot seat. That doesn't seem realistic to say after the past few years of dominance from that team, but I welcome it, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you do too. Uh, pretty hard to predict what's going to happen in baseball year in and year out, but I certainly wouldn't have predicted uh, a Cubs team struggling this much to start the year with a solid rotation, uh, a really solid team on the diamond. Uh, you know, guys like Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, pretty good team top to bottom minus that bullpen, and that's what's costing them a lot of those games, and that's why you're seeing games where they're having 8, 10, 14 runs scored on them. Uh, you know, if you can't close the door, that's the kind of luck that you're going to have. Uh, the Brewers continue to be fantastic. Christian Yelich is still playing like an MVP. Uh, guys like Josh Hader coming out of the bullpen. Uh, I'm, I may have underestimated the Brewers. I really thought last year they were really kind of a flash in the pan team, but they're carrying over that success to this year as well. Uh, you know, I historically watching that team, they tend to fall apart down the stretch, but these first few games. They really look primed uh, to be the NL representative in the World Series. You know, there's not a National League team that's playing better than they are. Uh, Sands maybe the Dodgers, but I, I think the Brewers match up well against the Dodgers. It, it's been a, a crazy season of baseball so far. I mean, you've still got the Rays in first place. Uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees both look uh, middling as far as the Yankees and bad as far as the Red Sox go, and I, I don't expect that to keep up, but I also didn't expect the Cardinals uh, to be going in the direction that they're going in. I expected a little bit more, uh, some some struggles in getting on base. Uh, I'm pull up some stats here. Uh, you're looking at Marcel Ozuna with an OBP of about 242, which means he's getting on base 24% of the time. That's walks and hits, uh, hitting about 219, slugging 344. So he's not making much contact. He's not walking and he's not hitting the ball hard. Uh, I just think that there's got to be something wrong with him. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know what the deal is, but something's got to happen with him. I mean, he's a tenured major league player. You can't send him back to AAA. Uh, he's going to have to take some time off on the injured list or do something different because uh, we can't day in and day out have production in the outfield like that uh, when you have Jose Martinez and Tyler O'Neill sitting on your bench. You know, I talked last episode about not panicking, and I'm certainly not panicking, but uh, I, I'm very concerned by what we're seeing out of him. Uh, slow start from Yachty. But, uh, you know, a guy in his mid-30s, it's not shocking to see him get out to a slow start. And, you know, the past couple of seasons he's had where he's hit for some power, 
uh, got on base at a decent clip and hit about 270. I, I think down the stretch he'll shake out okay. There aren't injury concerns like there are with Ozuna. As you start climbing up, uh, you see Colton Wong really leading the team in just about everything. Uh, he's got 13 hits on the season, and the next closest is Paul DeYoung with nine, uh, getting on base about literally half the time. 13.52 OPS, uh, 4.33 average. Dude is murdering the ball. He's stealing bases. He's walking. He's driving guys in and playing gold glove defense in the process. Uh, really, really excited to see what he's doing. Uh, I talked about it last time, and I won't dive too deep into it, but under Mike Matheny, he did not do anything. I truly believe Mike Matheny suppressed Colton Wong's potential, and seeing him under Mike Schilt, who has totally bought in on him, has been night and day. Uh, really excited about him. Um, Harrison Bader, with about 387 OBP, getting on base a lot, walking a lot, hitting a little bit, uh, no stolen bases from him yet, but you've seen him in the outfield throwing guys out and making good catches, and that's what he's in the lineup for. Uh, you, know, you don't need him to be an elite hitter. It would certainly be nice the way some of the other guys in the lineup are going, but you take it when you can get it. You know, Paul Goldschmidt uh, getting really, really hot last weekend, and this weekend kind of cooling down a little bit, uh, hitting about 200 uh, 333 OBP, slowing down a little bit, but still with a 962 OPS. He's still hitting the ball hard. Uh, not a guy I'm worried about. Still going to give you everything that you need and is still the best player we've had on our roster since Albert Pujols. I'm not overly worried about that. Uh, you know, pitching wise, uh, some middling stuff from a lot of our starters. You know, Good day out for Waka. Uh, two starts for Flaherty. One good, one bad. His last start out was great. Total Bulldog. Uh, I actually watched that Friday game uh, here in Cape with Barry Larkin's brother, who's in town to coach uh, the Cape Catfish, who's an independent team here in Cape. So that was cool, getting his insight on the game. He was at a local bar here watching the game. Uh, some good stuff from Adam Wainwright today. Vintage Wainwright at age 37. You know, six innings, one run, striking nine guys out. Had the curveball working all day. Uh, what we've come to expect from him. You know, uh, Miles Michaelis out to start the year with only 10 innings pitched and two outings and a 7.2 ERA. Uh, really having a regression from last year after seeing him get out pound the strike zone and get guys out. Uh, Dakota Hudson, one start, five innings pitched, three earned runs. So nothing super crazy from him. Small sample size with most of these guys, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Uh, you know, Mike Myers giving you some good innings out of the pen. Uh, Andrew Miller looking kind of shaky out of the pen early on. You've got four earned runs in three and two-thirds innings. I don't really know what to make of that. You always have the risk of a guy uh, spiraling as he gets older. I believe he's about 35 years old. Uh, I don't think that's what's going on here. Uh, early season struggles are possible. And we saw that with Greg Holland last year, who came up and struggled and then went over to Washington and were lights out for the Nationals for most of that year. So, you know, bullpen pitchers, you never really know what's going to happen. Uh, it's such an up-and-down flash-in-the-pan 
part of the game. You never want to invest too much thought into it. But on the topic of bullpen and guys not looking like themselves, Alex Reyes uh, so far this year uh, has looked shaky. It is shaky enough that they made it official that they were sending him down to Memphis today. Uh, Looking at his stats, six walks in three innings of work. Uh, Can't find the strike zone. Can't get guys out right now, which is, you know, terrible for a guy who's got such filthy stuff. Um, another guy who I think will even out as he gets some work down in Memphis. Uh, you know, after pretty much missing two seasons of Major League Baseball, uh, you can kind of expect something like this with Alex Reyes. Unfortunate but something that I think over time will work itself out, and I'm fairly certain we will see him with the big league club again this year. A couple of their standouts, John Gant, John Brebbia, uh, giving you exactly what you would expect them to give you and a little bit more. Uh, Two guys that just go out there, throw strikes, and get outs. It's been awesome to watch. Brebbia has been back and forth between St. Louis and Memphis so long over the past couple of years, or so much over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm glad to see uh, the organization committing to him a little bit more. Uh, no earned runs and six and a third innings pitched so far this year, four appearances. So I'm excited about what we're seeing from him. You know, a uh, little bit of comic relief. I read an article earlier about Chris Davis from the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, right on the cusp of a futility streak for Major League Baseball, literally putting out some of the worst numbers that a player has ever put out. It's crazy to think about and to kind of watch, observe over time as a guy who at one time was one of the most feared hitters in baseball. I'm pulling this up right now from ESPN, an article uh, he is <laughs> 0 for his last 44. Uh, 0 for 4 today with two strikeouts. Uh, his last hit was a second inning double against the Chicago White Sox on September 14th. Uh, two hits shy of the consecutive hitless streak uh, formerly held by Eugenio Velez. Uh, you may actually see this happen. Uh, Chris Davis. Absolutely awful so far this year, finishing last year with a 168 batting average, which was the worst that had ever been recorded in a full season of Major League Baseball by a position player. Uh, Just crazy to watch and kind of shows you uh, the nature of a game that's kind of fickle. You know, he's still due from the Orioles some $100 million plus dollars, and because baseball contracts are guaranteed, he's going to get every nickel of it, whether he plays or whether he doesn't. You know, even if they cut him, he will be uh, getting that money. It is rightfully his. Uh, whoever the attorney is for their Players Association, you may want to look up in case you ever get into any trouble because it's got to be a top-notch guy who was able to secure guaranteed money for every single Major League Baseball contract. It's crazy to think about and be on the lookout for him to go over his next three and set the record. Uh, another guy uh, on a little bit less of a good news note, uh, Albert Pujols made some comments this week. And disappointing to see from a guy who at one time 
was on pace to be the greatest Cardinal of all time, maybe even go toe-to-toe with Stan Musial and get the, the giant bronze statue out in front of Bush Stadium. Uh, a guy who won a couple MVPs and a couple MV or a couple of World Series with the organization. Very, very unfortunate to come out and say what he said. Look that article up. Uh, talking about how he didn't feel like the Cardinals valued him as much as Anaheim did. Uh, offered him about $40 million less. And I think that that's because the Cardinals understood the risk that they'd be taking in signing a guy to a 10-year contract like that. Uh, Anaheim has gotten very little out of him since they've signed him, and he's not for a moment looked like that former MVP that he was in St. Louis. You know, I distinctly remember his last season in St. Louis and kind of watching him falter a little bit and not be the machine-hitting 330 and hitting 40 home runs and driving in 120 guys. Um, Still a great player, but was very clearly starting to collect some rust. Unfortunate to see for a guy that a lot of people in St. Louis still regard so highly and think so much of. Uh, Disappointing comments. Uh, You know, now, as far as our organization, you know, we have who I think may be passing him, uh, on if there is a list of greatest Cardinals, Yadier Molina, who's played his entire career in St. Louis and has never been anything other than a cheerleader for the city, for the organization, for the players. Uh, I think you could maybe make the argument that now uh, his impact to the organization is greater. Uh, one of our organization's greatest players ever. And I, I think for most people, a guy that they revere uh, significantly more than Albert Pujols. Uh, just kind of a kind of a story that I wanted to talk about on the podcast today. And, you know, this is the time where I would normally talk about a beer that I'm drinking, but it is 8.14 on a Sunday, so I am drinking water. But I'm not going to completely omit beer talk this week. I do want to talk to you about a drinking experience that I had today going over to Scratch Brewery in Ava, Illinois, a little bit outside of Carbondale, Illinois, where SIU is. That helps you geographically. Uh, Awesome little farm brewery in the middle of nowhere. You drive down a rural highway, take a gravel road, and then you get out there and see this little farmhouse shack. Super, super awesome place. All of their ingredients are foraged. So everything that goes into all of their beers is found in the wild or grown by the brewers. Uh, They do a lot of sour beer with things like uh, hyssop and uh, sumac. And they did a corn stout that I had. All of these things, super, super natural, super culinary. Uh, A lot of beers with basil, with lavender, and just a really, really cool way uh, to think about beer you know there's a lot of companies out there that are using those ingredients but not to the degree that scratches with literally going and finding them in the wild or growing them themselves super charming little place uh, great place to go get a flight bring home some growlers and you know if it's on whenever you're there check out the barrel aged cherry sour one of the best beers i've had in a really long time and uh part of the flight that I got today. You know, you can also 
get these ridiculously big loaves of bread that are delicious, I recommend doing that as well as your snack whenever you're out there. Um, incredible place. If you're listening to this in Cape Girardeau, it's about an hour and 10 minutes away. Worth the drive. Uh, but if you don't want to make that drive, uh, a place that I recommend here locally in Cape Girardeau that's doing a lot of the same things is Ebb and Flow Fermentations. Uh, they've kind of in the past few months come onto the scene here and are doing some similar things. Uh, you know, those brewers are foraging some of their ingredients, growing a lot of their ingredients, and doing some really wacky, cool culinary things with their beer. You know, just for example, uh, you know, a stout with Oreos that's delicious, it, capturing that flavor better than anything I've ever had uh, that claims to be Oreo or cookies and cream or what have you. Uh, a New England IPA with coconut, a pale ale with lavender and Britannomyces yeast. I mean, they're, they're doing a little bit of everything in a super cool atmosphere and, you know, keeping eight to ten beers on at all times. Uh, a couple of barrel-aged sours that they call country ales. Uh, the brewer, Dwayne, uh, cultivates all of his own yeast and has a very impressive collection of yeasts. Uh, that's a part of beer that I don't know a whole lot about, but I know that it's difficult, and it's a very, very unique thing that most breweries aren't doing. You know, he's uh, keeping it as local as he can in... Uh, in putting together their beers and they're just putting out some lights out stuff in a, in a cool, unique environment in downtown Cape Girardeau. So if you're a Cape Girardeau guy or girl who's listening to this podcast and you haven't been there yet, you have to go. The beer's excellent. The food's excellent. And it's a super, super cool atmosphere. I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, awesome guys putting out some awesome beers and they have, uh, some outdoor seating that is going to be really popular over the next few months here in Cape. There's not a lot of places that give you that option. So all in all, uh, just wanted to wrap up some of those thoughts. You know, uh, the Cardinals are kind of in the middle of the pack in the central right now, uh, lacking in firepower. You know, Matt Carpenter's kind of cold to start out. Uh, Yachty's cold to start out. And, you know, a couple of those key guys are cooling off a little bit. Paul DeYoung, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, I expect those two to, to be back to form. You know, uh, they've both hit a few home runs and are playing really good defense. It's just going to be a matter of what they do down the stretch. Because if those two guys don't produce, I don't see us going very far. Uh, Marcelo Zuna has got to get figured out whatever's wrong with him, whether it's an injury or he's having off-the-field problems, it's impossible to say. Uh, people have been speculating, and I've been one of them. I just don't really know what to chalk that up to. Uh, very, very hard to watch from a guy who two years ago uh, was in conversation for MVP. Gold Glover, Silver Slugger, uh, driving in all kinds of guys and hitting for power. You know, He did have a really really impressive towering home run into Big Mac land yesterday, but something's got to happen. Uh, you can't hit 200 and roll over on weak ground balls a whole year uh, when you have other alternatives. Tyler O'Neill's looked excellent whenever he's been in the game, and the Jose Martinez uh, hasn't looked incredible so far. 
he's a pure hitter, and whenever he gets the chance to get into rhythm, I, I think we could see big things from him. Uh, a very, very poor defender, Jose Martinez, but I, I think there's a certain point where you just have to take your risks. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens. Uh, I'm still confident that this team is going to compete for a wild card spot. I don't think that they'll overtake Milwaukee, but they're uh, they're certainly as good or a better team than the Cubs, and they're demonstrably better than Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. So I think over time things will shake out. But you know, I'm I'm less confident today than I was the last time that I recorded. So. We will see what happens, and we will keep talking about it here on the Birds and the Beers. Have a great week.